Good evening, everybody. I hope that you can hear me tonight. I hope you're having a good Sunday evening. hope that your services went well Sunday morning or Sunday night. If you just finished up your Sunday night services, I just want to welcome everyone that's coming up, coming online now. This is another live uh, podcast for Joshua Ministries. Uh, so what we have planned for tonight is to have a special guest on, and we're working through uh, getting him on here at the moment. And as you can see in the description, it's a uh, sacred music host, Brian Miller. And uh, so he's been doing the podcast. I'll let him tell you about his podcast here, but I don't want to say too much about it, but he's uh, his focus is on music to worship the Lord and honor and glorify Him through song, through music, and how, what is music, what is worship, and how should we worship, and how should we use music to honor and glorify the Lord. So if you listen to his podcast called the Sacred Musician, uh, I believe I typed it the wrong, it's Sacred Musician, you, you can learn more about that. So we're going to get started with a word of prayer, and we're going to ask the Lord to, he says, where two or three gather together in my name, there he will be in the midst. I know this will be, we're over the airwaves, but we're going to join together and to worship him, study his word, and grow to be better Christians and better soldiers of the cross. Uh, So we're going to go ahead and uh, dive in on a couple things here. Uh, So let's get started with the word of prayer. Dear Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for what you've done for us, what you've given us. And I thank you for what you've done for my family. For I thank you for today being able to go and to attend church, uh, the ecclesia, and attend with the local body of Christ and opening your word and studying your word and being able to fellowship with other believers and being able to worship you, recognizing that we are indebted to you because of your sacrifice that you made on the cross, uh, recognizing that there was nothing that we could do to to gain our own salvation. It wasn't by works, but it was only by faith. Uh, through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross that we could be saved and have eternal life. We're thankful for that. We're thankful for for what the sacrifice you made on the cross. We're thankful for the the privilege it is to come to your house to worship and to get to know you better. I pray that we would be an influence to others um, as we represent Christ. We represent your kingdom as soldiers of the cross, as we fight against the devil and the fiery darts. We uh, we dodge the fiery darts of the devil as we are in the the um, should be in the offense here. We're, we're supposed to be resisting the devil. First of all, trusting God, resisting the devil, and he will flee from us. The devil has no power over us as we are Christians. And we thank you for that and for what you've done. Pray that you bless the, the podcast here and the, the fellowship we'll have. Give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to do probably more like a uh, more like a um, a devotion tonight. So if you want to go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to the book of Romans, uh, what I like to do, the way I like to do it is for you to be able to follow along in the scripture that we're in. And... Without me trying to hit every microphone I have. 
and follow along in the scriptures. So you can go ahead and uh, turn to the book of Romans and chapter 13. What we're going to discuss is um, uh, the... So, trying to get my thoughts here, do a few things at, at one time. Um, what we do is we take the Word of God, we read it, we apply it to our lives, and we apply it to our lives according to current events. God's Word is living, and it's His love letter to us, and He... He cared so much for us, for us to write it down in a book. And what he wants us to do is to take his word and use it at work, at home, at school, wherever we are. And he wants us to guide our lives according to that. And... That's what we're going to do. We're going to take God's word. Some people say it's outdated, but I I think they're wrong. I don't think it is outdated. I think in every word in here in God's word can is beneficial for us now. And that's what we desire to do is to to um, take current events and apply God's word to them to help us do better, to live better and to lead others to Christ. And that's what we're going to do. So we're going to welcome uh, Brian Miller from uh, Sacred Musician, or The Sacred Musician, right? Yes. Hello. Thanks for having me on. Took me a minute to figure Good it to out. You. How you doing? Can you hear me well? <laughs> I can hear you. All right. Yeah, I had to uh, uh, back up and punt to try to uh, be able to sign on. But uh, yeah, uh, thank you for having me on today. Yeah, I was over here scrambling, trying to, like I've, the listeners know I'm kind of new on Podbean, so I'm trying to figure out uh, what to do and what what button should I push on here. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to, uh, you know, tune in on the computer and it looks like it's got to be done through the app. So, and I was uh, trying to figure it out through the computer platform, but. Um, I got the app put on my phone and was able to log in. So, I just yeah, I think that's what that. I'm. Yeah, that's what I'm learning. I think it works. It's more uh, apt for the app. I believe is what it's about. But I'm still learning, so I'm getting getting used to it. So, tell us a little bit about your podcast and what you do there. So, uh, I have a podcast called the Sacred Musician Podcast. Um, so basically the podcast was started. I'm the uh, music minister at my church and I wanted to make a place where it could be a a source of wisdom for music ministers, uh, even myself really, because, um, the idea is to, um, look at music ministry from the aspect of biblical wisdom and, and bring in guests on my show and, and talk about this and talk about some questions like, what is worship? What does it mean to worship? Why do we sing in church? Um, what are the characteristics of a music minister? How can we be better at, at doing that job? Um, how can we learn more wisdom? But then beyond that, not just, you know, being a music minister and leading the music in the service, it goes beyond that. And it goes, it really reaches every aspect of your life because um, a music minister is not just a musician. He's also a Christ follower and everything else that the Bible speaks about would apply to his life as a leader. So it branches out into several topics and eventually there'll be quite a few to cover but that's that's the basis of it that sounds good um yeah i think a lot of us try to to leave our our, a lot of people i I should say would try to leave their walk with the lord at the 
doorsteps of the church on Sunday when they leave uh, instead of applying it through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Uh, we have, yeah. um, it's uh, our, our relationship. That's what I uh, tell a lot of people. It's our, it's not a religion. And as we read God's word, we see it's not a religion, but it's a relationship. And we, if we have a relationship with someone, it's a daily, daily walk, daily communication, daily conversations. And with Jesus, it's daily reading, daily prayer, and just looking to him for help, for guidance, considerations, and things like that. I think that's one of the one of the big keys when not just as it applies to music ministry, but also as a pastor is is that relationship you just mentioned. How can for instance me as leading the music, um how can you sing sincerely to someone that you don't really know? that's the point of, of the music portion of the service is we're singing to the one who deserves to be sung to. And you have to, you have to know him to be able to do that sincerely without just going through the motions and, and, uh, going through the motions is not what it's about. It's not about checking off a particular, item on your list of this is what's going to make me a good Christian. It's a relationship. So I am a musician and I play guitar and I lead the worship music at church. We've been practicing a particular song. I think it's, um, how great is our God? Uh, isn't that, I love that song. And we've been practicing it over a few weeks and I'm finding it harder and harder to to play a song to the Lord and worship without uh, the Holy Spirit whelming up in me. And and a lot of times I, I skip a word or two to catch my composure, to regain my composure, to keep leading and, and singing, especially in a special songs. My wife and I sang a special today. Um, and, that, and through that, it's, I, that's why I, t- I tell my wife, I said, you're up here because the Lord's going to, the Holy Spirit's going to get to me and I won't be able to sing. So you're, you just keep singing. <laughs> and it, But it's, it's about that knowing who you're singing to, our Savior, our Lord, our Creator. He, he, he loved us so much. He stretched his arms on the cross for our sins. He shed his innocent blood. And while you're singing and singing to him, you, you realize that. And then the Holy Spirit moves. It's, there's nothing nothing like that and the only a christian can experience that mm-hmm. we've talked if, about if, this uh, go ahead go ahead we've talked about this a good bit in another podcast I'm, I'm a part of in the topic of worship as well and and that's one of the things about worship is you have to realize your place as you come to the God of the universe and it's understanding, it's putting your pride and your ego aside and understanding that God doesn't have to use you. God doesn't have to talk to you, but God allows you to come into his presence. He allows you to sing to him and God cares for you that much though he doesn't need you and that's just an awesome aspect of of as you're singing you think about how great our god is he uh the splendor of the king clothed in majesty yet that great king would use someone as insignificant as me is a very humbling thought Yes, it is. It's very humbling. And that's what we hope to, we hope that the Lord is pleased in our efforts to serve him and to worship him and to praise him. And that's why we're here is to to extend his name to others, extend his grace and his mercy, his forgiveness, 
and to encourage other Christians to follow him uh, to the degree that we have, not that we've reached, we're at the epitome of a servant or a child of God, but that we can help others that are, are further behind us to get to where, to where we are, or maybe even further than we are in their spiritual walk. If we, as I mentioned, uh, Romans uh, chapter 13, and I told the listeners we we like to follow along in the, I like to have them follow along in the word. I'm not going to try to jump ahead or leave them behind. We like, this is going to be like a, a devotion, like a, a home church service where everyone's in the same room, everyone's close, everyone's you know, it knows everybody in the room. It's going to be a, like a, a family talk we'll have. And we chose Romans chapter 13 tonight because of what the, the situation around us, uh, I think a lot of times that as Christians, we're uh, too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. And so what I mean by that is that we're looking up, Jesus come, Jesus come, and we're waiting on him to come back. But what did he say about that? As has his Jesus said in his ascension, when he had told everyone to go to teach and to preach, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the angel said, why are you standing here gazing in the sky? He said, he'll come back the same way he came. Now go do your job. So, that's what we are here. We strive to do is to do the job that God gave us right now. Not even Jesus knows the time that he'll come back, but he said he would. So we, we know he keeps his promises, but he's given us a job to do a commission. And we need to be active in fulfilling that commission at, while we wait. We're not sitting uh, lazily or sluggishly doing nothing, but we're hopefully fulfilling what God has called us to do. And that's what we're going to do with this chapter. So there's along those lines my point is to, we need to be active for the Lord, active in our work. Um, be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. We can get, we can get to a point where we listen and listen. We go to church, we sit in a pew, we hear God's word, we hear God's preacher, we hear him speak, we hear him preach the word, but we can get into a rut of, and I've seen people do this their whole life, where they get into this rut, they go to church, they hear the word of God, but they never do anything for God. They never do any work for the Lord. And so that's what we, we encourage to do and with this with this podcast is just to give avenues and show you what we do to serve the Lord. And maybe the Lord has that a similar avenue for you as well. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 13. And what I want to do is I want to read the verse. We are scripture based here. And I don't know how much of the chapter, maybe the whole chapter. But the key verse is verse three for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Will thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good and thou shalt have praise of the same. So the reason why I bring this up is because we in this country. Uh, I'm an American. I was an American before I was a Christian, and later on I gave my heart and life to the Lord, surrendered to Him, so I'm a Christian. I was an American first. So studying my country and the history of my country, I've learned that our founding fathers based the law of the land on God's Word and His principles. And we as a country were at the forefront supposed to follow God's Word and apply it to everyday life, even in government. And that's what chapter 13 covers. 
But we've seen lately, and this has been going on for years, but we're seeing a flip. We're seeing, first off, well, I'll let uh, Brian speak to this in a minute, but we have rulers that have assumed the power and authority over the people, but that's not the case. Uh, it's supposed to be we the people. We the people are in charge with morals and standards from God's law, from his word. And we are supposed to apply his word to our government. The separation of church and state was to keep the state out of the church, not the church out of the state. And because we have kept the church out of the state, God's word, his law, we have run into a lot of problems. So right now we're facing a problem where we have corrupt people in leadership roles that should have never happened but the fact is it is happening so we have to do our part to be the leaders that god would be pleased for or pleased of pleased with and in our respective areas in our local whatever wherever god has placed you be a leader be influential according to God's word. So we see here in verse 13, a lot of people get this chapter um, are confused with this chapter, but let's go back to verse one. It says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers for there is no power, but of God, the powers that be are ordained of God. So we have to first remember God is in charge, but we have leaders that want to ignore God. They're trying to delete God through transhumanism. They're trying to delete our connection with God. I don't know how they can actually do that, but they're attempting to. And I will expose more of that later on in this podcast, Lord willing. Uh, but we have to first know God is in charge. There is no other power but God. That's what it says in verse 1. So we have to understand that and know that right up front. God and no one else. Whosoever, therefore, resist the power, resist the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Now notice this. This is where a lot of people trip up. Notice in verse 2 he says, Whosoever therefore resist the power, resist the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. I want to make the point here that those that are in power that are ruling wickedly, that are disobeying God's law, disobeying God's morals, disobeying God's standards, they are the ones resisting the power of God. They do not legitimately hold that office or hold that power. Because, verse 3 defines a ruler. Rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil works. So this is what I want you to pick. If you don't get anything else out of this scripture for tonight, this podcast is that rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil works. Now, if you're uh, any bit of uh, up to date on current events, you'll know that we have rulers that are very corrupt, very wicked, and the opposite of that. They are a terror to good works instead of evil works. Therefore, we know they should not be in the position they're in, in our country, specifically. So, what do you have to say about that? I was thinking back what you'd mentioned. Um, our founding fathers started. This government was based what you know what the the mainstream what the media would have you believe is or forget is that yeah founding fathers were believers they it it's all throughout the writings the early writings from the founding fathers that god was supreme and and god was the uh uh the ultimate ruler and even in the way that the government was set up um it's all based on the bible uh moses had it set up very I mean, that's what it's based off of the way the, the, the law was in the Bible. 
the way Moses had the government and the, and the different branches set up in the wilderness to, for ruling the people for different things. It's all taken from the Bible is what people don't realize. And um, God ultimately established government and the government was for the people. And so, um, and like the verse says, rulers are not a terror good works, but to the evil. The um, Though the government is set up, though we have, you know, what we have going on today, God is ultimately still in control. And you go back to the evil rulers. God allows free will. Though he is still in control, he allows free will. And I think the reason we find our place, uh, we find ourselves in the place we are at with the the rulers that, or the the would-be rulers that are uh, set up today, the people that want to rule rather than govern, is partly a series of choices. And the separation of church and state, and, and I'll go back to the choices here in a second, but the separation of church and state, it was the the state was not to affect was not to be controlling any way that church was set up when you come into the house of god you're there to worship god and so politics should have no uh sway or focus or or control over how the people worship and meet with God. However, the government was set up to be run by godly people. And a government does not work if it is not run by godly people with good principles. We we talk about this uh thing called moral relativism. It's when uh relativism it's where you get to have your your you get to decide what's morally right for you and i get to decide what's morally right for me but that doesn't work because what if what if i think it's okay to walk around punching people in the face but you think it's not then there's a conflict and the, those can't both be true at the same time that goes against a basic rule of logic called the law of non-contradiction to opposing ideas cannot both be true at the same time either one or both must be false and so uh i made a comment i was going to go back to and now i lost it um wow i just lost my place do you remember what i said <laughs> <laughs> um about the morals well maybe it'll come back to me in a minute choices right that's what it was choices um the government yeah, is set will. up free will the government is set up for choices we choose who we put in office and as believers get slack and as good people choose to do nothing, then we allow the wrong people to come in office that are not really there for the people. And so I think one of the problems is it takes effort to stand up for what's right. And, and, uh, it's often easier just to choose to sit back and let what happened happen because it doesn't it doesn't seem to affect direct directly affect me right now. So maybe it's all right. I'll just yeah, I'm not going to worry about that. You know, choose my battles. But so I think that's part of what's going on here. Right. We have the the leadership we have. We call them leadership, but in actuality, they're servants to the people but they've been so arrogant and prideful instead of representing us, they 
drain our resources for their benefit. And I'm seeing very few um, politicians that are representing the people like they should be. There are a few. And I want to give you an example of one, if I can play this, uh, because, you know, we have sovereign states, each state we have governors, and the governors are still they have power to control the state in certain certain areas, but they still are there for the people. And according to God's law, according to morals, and according to standards that God has put in place, according to Scripture. So based on that, that is how we are to govern people, understanding that it's God's people, that we've all been created in the image of God, uh, that we're all his in his possession but we again the free will that's where sin comes in because god gave us a choice and we decided to disobey and now we have to decide whether we'll repent and turn from our sins our wicked ways and ask for forgiveness and let christ come into our heart and forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness as a gentleman he's not going to force his way in but we have too many people in leadership positions that assume that the people are there to serve them. When the other way is the case. Jesus gave the ultimate example of that. And he came, the son of God came to serve. Now, being Christians, we are supposed to, as I said, mentioned earlier, we're soldiers of the cross. So soldiers don't sit around waiting on something to happen. They take action, they prepare, and they have a target, and they go after their target, and they do what they can to accomplish the mission that was that's before them. So I want to give you an example, if I can, of a governor that is doing the right thing. There's one thing that we need to uh, keep at the forefront is that helping others is a part of God's will. For us to help others. James says, pure religion and undefiled before God is this, to help the widows and the fatherless in their time of need. And we have a huge problem with uh, homosexuality, transgender movement, the LGBTQ plus P. Uh, there's many people that are deceived by this, that have fallen into the snare of the devil. They don't understand that it's an agenda, it's in a push, a push by the government or by corporations to um, use you and to molest you and to take advantage of you. That's what it's all about. And they're putting it in the classrooms, they're putting it in uh, at work. Uh, I deal with this at work and I've, I've been putting up a resistance at work. I'll go into details about that in a later podcast. Uh, but it's it's the, one of the tricks in the, the of the devil. So I want to show you someone that's taken Romans chapter 13 and applying it in the right way. We see enough of the wrong way. I want to show you the right way. So let me see if I can play this. Let me know if you can hear this. All right. No. Could you hear that? Nope. No, do you not hear that? No. Okay, well, I'll explain what's going on. <laughs> so there was some, a weird silence there. All right, so everyone knows about Disney. Everyone knows that there's a uh, uh, a bill that Ron DeSantis uh, just passed. It's a he signed it. It's an anti-grooming bill, and I want to give a a uh, let's see. You can go to Gateway the Gateway Pundit and look up articles, especially this article that I'm looking at. Uh, so Ron DeSantis has taken a stand against the evil, against wickedness. And 
Hollywood is one of the biggest places for homosexuality, for transgenderism, and for pedophilia. And you've noticed this movement has just uh, crammed it all in, all together, bunched it all in in one, one package. So if you're a transgender or a homo, you're supporting pedophiles. And Ron DeSantis has signed a bill that it's an anti-grooming bill, and it was a certain grades in school that they're not allowed to uh, push this um, this um, indoctrination on children because children are very uh, gullible, they're very malleable, they're very impressionable, and they're made we're that way, but we're innocent when I mean we're all born into sin. But we're at an age where we're, we're able to be trained about the truth. But we have to have godly parents, uh, hopefully a uh, mom and a dad that are Christians that love the Lord and will train up the child in the way that they should go and teach them godly principles, godly morals, godly laws, and, sh- and show them how to. This is what I teach the, the teens at church is to show respect and reverence to authority. But we have too many people that is disrespectful to authority that, I mean, they have no morals and they have no standards. They weren't taught, but they're being taught this transgenderism, um, pedophilia, and they're, the, the, the children are being preyed on by Disney of all places. And I've known this for several years now, but Disney is, is, is a predator on children. So, Ron DeSantis has been fighting. He's been fighting the wicked things. And he, this bill is to help pass it. And Disney is um, outraged. They have responded to DeSantis in outrage and saying they're going to fight every step of the way to resist what his ruling, what he passed in there. Um, so they've said it. Um, so, uh, Ron DeSantis, Governor DeSantis signed into law HB 1557, a measure that forbids instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity to children in grades pre-K through grade three. Uh, personally, I think he should have gone all the way through 12 or through college, but I, I don't understand, I don't understand, I don't understand that to the point why he went to only grade three. Maybe he has something else up his sleeve, but they're outraged. Think of this. What what age is that? Pre-K to three. I mean, I have five children, ages ranges from a year and a half up to nine years old. And that would be targeting them with this. And yet, except my wife and I homeschool them because of this. I'm a second uh, generation homeschooler. And so these pedophiles are saying it's a, uh, a they've labeled it a don't say gay bill. Uh, but DeSantis says that it's to camouflage their true intentions. The bill doesn't even mention the word gay in it. Uh, so I had audio that I played. I had to figure out why it didn't, why you couldn't hear it. Uh, so now this is, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to read the tweet from Ron DeSantis. The state of Florida is governed according to the interests of the people not according to the political posturing of corporate executives in California. We will never allow corporate influence to repeal the substantive rights of parents in our states. Ron DeSantis is a leader. We go back to Romans 13, verse 3. Rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. And this is what I do every time I take God's word and whatever has happened, whatever the situation is, and I base it on God's word. What does God's word say about it? So in this very instant, it says Ron DeSantis is doing what God wants him to do in this situation. We are to fight evil and wicked things, corruption, because they're targeting children. They want to warp the kids' minds and destroy their lives. That's their goal and make a profit on it. That's what they're doing. What, what do you say about this? So, first off, I guess I, I read the bill. Um, 
actually i think the uh the portion that that they refer to it says and i'm going to quote it prohibiting classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity in certain grade levels or in specific manner requiring certain training developed or provided by a school district to adhere to standards established by the department of education um that, that's basically the snippet where it you know they they're saying you know don't say gay rule hmm. and so it's my take on this for the first kindergarten through third grade prohibiting discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity why does a kindergarten to third grade kids need to be talking about sexual orientation or gender identity in the first place why is this such a big deal this i think this bill is is putting the power of that topic back in the hands of of the parents where it should be uh i think and this is this is biblical principle the parents should be training up in the child in, in the way that they should go this is a topic you know um the topic of sex and genders is a topic that the parents should be teaching the kids not classroom teachers not friends inevitably the topic comes up somewhere in the world we live in but even like this it says you know discussion like they can't if even if you put aside which i don't want to but even if you put aside the fact that you know the bible speaks plainly against um um sexual uh distortion if the topic comes up in the classroom and a child you know well they'll inevitably ask about something like that well what is why does so and so why are they this way and well the simple answer is you should ask your parents about that and move on to the next topic because then you go it's like you mentioned it's it's a manipulation and it's indoctrination you know what this made me think of the it made me think of this whole situation this whole ordeal i actually uh, we talked about this um it was we were recording a podcast for uh the other podcast i'm a part of called the league of logic and uh, we talked about this um it it reminds me directly of the nazi regime um hitler had this group of this very large group called hitler's youth and i, I want to read this i want to read this um little excerpt here from a uh, website called history extra so this is just describe what the youth the nazi youth is the youth were the future of the nazi regime's survival and their unified militancy was vital to Hitler's utopian vision of a thriving fatherland. At the time of his 1935 address, almost 60% of German boys had joined the Hitler Youth, and in 1936 it became a state agency that all young Aryans were expected to join and be educated physically, intellectually, and morally. In fact, the youth group became inescapable. All other youth groups either disbanded or were absorbed into the movement and opportunities such as summer camps and sports facilities were now only open to members. By early 1939, around 82% of eligible boys in the Greater Reich belonged to the Hitler Youth, making it the largest youth organization in the world. On Mar 25th March 1939, the law on membership tightened, and it became mandatory for all Germans aged 10 to 18 to join. Those who failed to comply were threatened with criminal prosecution, including parents who refused to relinquish control of their youngsters. Gender division was paramount to Nazi strategy. Boys were considered future soldiers for the Nazi cause, and as such, every activity from local to national levels was designed around physical strength and experience of military drills and weaponry. Hitler knew how moldable kids were. He knew how able to be manipulated they were. They are. And he used that 
to build his army, to build loyalty to his wicked cause in um, taking out the Jews. And I think that's this is one step having having sex ed in schools in the first place is one more step in that direction. Mm-hmm. And it's a dangerous road and we we have history to see how that ended up. But uh people are forgetting it or ignoring it. Yeah, if we ignore history, we will repeat it for sure. Um, children are impressionable, like you just um, uh, brought out there with the Hitler's youth. Um, uh, children are, are very curious. And by the time they are, you know, about three years old, they've learned they've, they, their personality is pretty much intact, completely intact. Now, my wife and I, we have five children. Uh, the girls know they are girls, and the boy knows he's a boy. And, of course, they're curious with certain things and with the opposite sex. But we teach them and nurture them according to God's word. And they learn, they understand, hmm, so... I'm different from the girls say, so I'm different from him and he's different from me. And the boy understands, hmm, they're different from me. I'm different from them. And they, so with that curiosity, we teach them God created man and he created woman out of man. You go back to Genesis chapter two for that. And then they understand by in creation, God said everything. He spoke everything into existence, but then took time to create man and create the woman for man. But at modern days, people don't like that fact. Uh, But God made us distinctly two genders, a man and a woman. And he created marriage to be a holy matrimony between one man and one woman. There's no allowance for fornication no allowance for adultery. There's no allowance for uh, a, a uh, homosexuality or transgender, whatever. I, I, there's only two genders. That's it, period. I don't care what you try to name it, what you try to call it. There's only two. And that's God's word. That's not me speaking, but it's God. And so I teach my children, my wife and I teach our children, uh, what God's perspective is and what the, what we should know and how we should live according to that. And I think that's a very good way to approach it. Um, we, we go back to God's word because ultimately that's where we're going to find the source of truth. God's Word is the Bible, the collection of 66 books. It is a reliable collection of historical documents that were written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. And those eyewitnesses report supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of specific prophecy, claim that their prophecies are divine rather than human in origin. We have a reliable book. And we also realize that there is a spiritual battle going on in the world around us. And the powers that are in control would distort that truth and have you believe something different. And that's what we see around us going on. The devil, according to Peter, he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So he's, I had someone that I was, I've been uh, counseling. Um, 
but I have heard a, a statement made by someone that um, why why would why would I have uh, that's the word lust? Why would I have a tendency to lust in this way if it wasn't intended by God? And so I had to explain to him the fact that we're we're we we're born into sin, and the devil being who he is, knows how to manipulate that. And he throws at temptations that we would fall into more quickly or more readily. And especially at a young age, he wants to get us what it would be the easiest for him to take us out, out of the will of God, take us out of eternal life, take us from being a soldier of the cross, take us out from being an influential uh, ambassador for God. He understands all this. If we surrender to him, it's not in our power, but in God's power and his word, the, 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 uh, the, the people, the amount of people we could reach and witness and save through our, our obedience, we can, we can win them over from eternal death to eternal life and the devil knows that yeah it's it's kind of hard when we discuss things like this it's hard to to be able to cover everything you want to to help someone understand there's so much but just take what what we've covered what we've discussed and as david the king david said meditate on it in Psalms, Sila, think about it. Let's meditate on what's been said and where do we fit into this. Uh, we're going to close out. Do you have any final words to say? Uh, I just, one last comment is you can look around, you can see a lot of negative in the world around you, and there's negative on every side, and it, it would be easy for someone to get wrapped up in the negative and get depressed by what's going on. But I think something else that is important is to realize that we we also know how this is going to end up. We know that God is going to win in the end. We We know we have a helper through God that uh, wants to give grace and mercy to those that humbly uh, confess him as Lord that we don't we don't have to be we don't have to be depressed in all this we can have joy uh, James as you quote, mentioned earlier James the in the first chapter it says count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds we know that the testing of your faith produces patience and we have joy in the Lord, even in hard times. So seek the Lord and, and you'll have that joy and you will not be stuck in the pit forever. <laughs> Amen. Um, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It, it doesn't matter what the devil throws at us. It doesn't matter how he tries to deceive us. Uh, Jesus has promised as Christians to never leave us or forsake us. And you can have that joy and have that peace through Jesus Christ. And it only comes through Jesus Christ. Uh, you and I can sit here and speak about it. We can um, discuss and share God's word. We understand where we sit with our Savior and the the safety and protection that we have in him. And we, we understand that our job is to win souls and to expose the wicked. And so we strive to do that. We, um, we desire to, to please our father, please our heavenly father in that and doing that. Um, and it's that only joy that and the peace that passes all understanding, no matter we look around and as what I discussed in the previous podcast about the uh, uh, the attacks from the, the big pharma, the attacks from the big government and the 
food shortages that are looming over our heads with the oil and gas shortages, but we don't have to be scared. We don't have to be worried. I'm not scared. I'm, I'm at peace uh, with the Lord, no matter what happens. Yeah. God said, look at the sparrow. God even takes care of each sparrow. They have everything they need. And if God will take care of the sparrow, will he not take care of you? So we don't have to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. We can prepare. No worries. And, And there's also wisdom for that, preparing. But we shouldn't worry. Nope. All right. I appreciate the conversation we've had with Brian, the uh, host of the Sacred Musician. Um, Thank you for joining us. We're going to go ahead and close out. And if you would, would you close us in prayer? I will. I appreciate you having me on today. Uh, Yeah, well, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us, for your mercy. Thank you that we have such a wonderful, reliable, faithful source of wisdom from your word. Thank you for giving that to us. Thank you for the promise of protection and the promise of wisdom if we just ask. Lord, for those that may be listening or that don't know you, that don't don't realize the truth of your word, we please reach them. And thank you for allowing Josh and I to be a part of of this. Help us to follow you better. Help us to honor you more in what we do so that the truth can be given out. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Well, thank you for joining us we've had fun serving the lord and i'll have to have you on again sounds like a plan